0: Opening Arguments is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: What kind of law do you practice? Maritime. Maritime law. On what grounds could you possibly prevail? Grounds? Who cares about
2: grounds? Cases always come down to who the jury likes better. Thirdly, I have sworn you that if you attempt to
0: bally rag or bulldoze
1: this witness, I think take very dim and beauty. Your lordship is most pretty. Very well, anyway. <laughs> A cash settlement? I could have figured that out, you button-down maggot! You have any cream? Oh, yes, of course. Where are my manners? Welcome to Opening Arguments, the podcast that pairs an inquisitive interviewer with a real-life lawyer. This podcast is sponsored by the Law Offices of P. Andrew Torres, LLC for entertainment purposes, is not intended as legal advice, and does not form an attorney-client relationship. Don't take legal advice from a podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to Opening Arguments. This is episode 358. I'm Thomas Smith. That over there is P. Andrew Torres esquire how you doing <laughs> i am doing
2: fantastic did you see uh one of our listeners sent uh p andrew torres with the like you know donut shape on uh yeah. social media so um you know as long as we're continuing to add uh plays it's on hard my to last compete name.
0: with your cow name though p. oh andrew no torres. obviously i mean that's that's, that's the best yeah uh, Cause cause out, you shout out to the, Del. the noodle <laughs> you move the noodle so we can't yeah. i mean that's <laughs> just part of the brand uh, yeah, but thanks. We do appreciate that, everybody. All right. So much to talk about today, Andrew. Uh, how about that, um, bonus episode we did? I I hope everybody listened to that. 357 came at you a little early. We talked about Iowa, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, Iowa's all fixed now, though. So, that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and- all distant yeah. rear view mirror. Uh, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm going to, I'm going to let that <laughs> I will say this, you know, ninety nine plus percent of the response we got uh, was very positive. And, you know, a half a percent was um, folks who encouraged us to revisit conspiracy theories. And, I, you know, I just I just have to say, like, I, the, the, I, my favorite was, you know, the one sort of, you know, calling us as uh, uh, giving, uh, you know, centrist hot takes despite, you know, your. Uh, Your position, Thomas, as sort of being to the left of uh, AOC on the political spectrum and explicitly calling for the Democrats to unite behind Bernie Sanders in the uh, in the in the the trailing moments. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll I'll just say this. (laughs) I I think what's funny now is I just saw because it is kind of newsworthy. You know, Tom Perez called for them to. Re, he used a word that was a little confusing to people. He said re-canvas, which sounded yep. like, what? You're going to go, what, like door to door and ask people how they voted? But he, then he clarified, like, he meant go through all the receipts again, go through all the paper yeah. again. And by the way, because it looks like they totally effed it up again. It looks like they made some spreadsheet errors and stuff. But by the way, these are all errors that if you've ever worked in an office or had any job like this, this is just the norm. Like, I, you know, I mean, yeah, they need to have a better system in place. Don't get me wrong. But once that system went to crap and they were trying to audible and like, okay, we'll gather it up in a Google Doc or whatever they're doing, of course, there are going to be errors like that. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I still think we should, by all means, be upset with the Iowa Democratic Party. 100%. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm just saying it's still so within the realm of incompetence versus conspiracy theory. And especially since we're seeing that everybody can check the answers. And there's no way they're getting away with it. (laughs) Yeah. But the last thing what I was going to say about this is, even with with Tom Perez doing that, people are still saying this is like a DNC conspiracy. It's like, He's right. Uh, yeah. A S- that shows that the DNC is not in charge of the process, which we already covered. And B, he's calling for them to reconfigure the the, the uh, final results because they're wrong. Yeah. That, that
2: those are the, the the two precise points that I wanted to make. And since you stole them from me, I'm going to repeat what you <laughs> said <laughs> in slightly different <laughs> words. So yeah. the the first one is, and and this is the most crucial bit. Okay, because I, I tweeted the the day of. The DNC does not count or administer the votes in the Iowa election. And a couple of people have since said, well, look, like here's Tom Perez coming in afterwards to help out. Um a, that doesn't respond to, to the initial claim, which I'm going to make super clear in a second. And B, that uh, like that's it's a ridiculous fake double bind. Right. Like if the DNC just sort of sat back and said, well, you know, we we don't care, like do whatever you want, then like that would be proof of the conspiracy. Right. Like yeah. they, the fact that the DNC is coming in after the fact um, is not. A part of what supports the conspiracy theory allegations, because the conspiracy theory allegations involve the DNC somehow manipulating the vote totals or causing the screw up in the first place. And there is zero disagreement. By anywhere, even by people who are peddling this sort of nonsense, that the DNC had anything to do with the initial decisions, with the initial counting, with the initial reporting. You know, I'm the best anybody can do is say, well, the DNC encouraged them to use the app. And, you know, I think we're clear enough. Is that even true? I I don't even know. Right. Like, but but I'm assuming it for purposes of the argument. Right. If that were true, you know that's right. That that is a much thinner read than, you know, Werner von Braun went to to Antarctica, you know, two years before the supposed moon landing. um and, and the biggest thing, and I continue, and look, that like that's true, right? Like That's the best piece of evidence that you know Joe Rogan and, and moon hoaxers have going for them. It's, well, how can you explain how Werner von Braun went to Antarctica? Um, it's right there in the public record.
0: What? Yeah, I was literally, I was going to just let it go yeah. for the sake of the episode, but like the idea I wasn't is, sure yeah. what conspiracy theory that was. I thought that was flat earth for a second. Because yeah, no, I know it's, they're always like, it's fake no, Antarctica is like yeah. a fortress, you know, there's like a wall there or
2: something. <laughs> no it's fake moon landing and uh, and the idea is that you know why else would we have sent Werner von braun to uh to antarctica you know a year and a half before we supposedly landed on the moon if not to get you know fake rocks from antarctica to pretend that they were moon rocks i I, I, i'm a hundred percent not making this up Um, and and and, and the biggest part look like this would be the stupidest possible conspiracy to execute because again The parties to the conspiracy are saying what we need to do is have multiple parties examine the paper record trail like that. That's the kind of thing that really makes for a super bad conspiracy theory. Anyway, I just have to say, like
0: part of my (laughs) part of my job at the state, you know, and actually in my in my job before that was trying to get people who had, you know, paper records for everything to like start using Excel and start putting stuff in databases and all that. And the, we're talking about these are educated <laughs> professional people. And this crap happened all the time. Like the stuff is entered wrong. Stuff is whatever. And like, and even people who are doing a decent job make mistakes and it's, you know, this is well within the realm of, of incompetence. And again, not to take the, the blame off of to absolutely reinforce that, the Iowa Democratic Party should have had a better system in place. Do not get me wrong. I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm just saying it's so easily within the realm of incompetence to me that you you don't need uh, a conspiracy theory to prove it. All right. Well, all that was not planned, but it's just a little update. <laughs> uh, we'll <laughs> and, lose more and,
2: patrons. But look, like I, I'm happy. like. This is a conspiracy theory free podcast. And, you know,
0: we are. Well, unless things actually were conspiracies like Watergate and some Trump Uh, stuff.
2: Right. It is a podcast. How about a podcast that encourages skepticism on conspiracy without uh, without much in the way of evidence? And and look again part of what we're doing here is reporting against our own interest right yeah so i i just don't I, The 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 whole ethos of the show since day one has been let's look at facts let's look at the law let's make rational decisions and um you know uh, like i said hopefully the uh, 99 point five percent of you that uh in our audience that that supports that. Um yeah, let us know. Yeah, I don't
0: even need to mention the the couple you know, it's a couple troublemakers, not a yeah. big deal. The majority anyway. people, all right. So, it's all right. Look, all right.
2: I like I want our listeners to love us. So that's
0: <laughs> here here's a good transition for you. I wanted to and, Andrew is allowing me to toss out a quick plug because if you want to break from all this nonsense for you know, after listening to our show, of course. Uh, but if you want to break from politics uh for a minute over on Serious Inquiries Only, Jamie and I just recorded what might be one of my favorite episodes of all time. Nothing to do with politics. I Just a little teaser. So, uh, and this is a little bit of spoilers for the for the episode, but I think it's worth talking about. She found out just like, I don't know, a month ago, maybe, um, when something went viral, uh, talking about inner monologue, you know, like the inner voice that obviously mm-hmm. 100% of us all have going in our head all the time. Yeah, she saw that and had never realize that other people have this and she turns out Jamie my co-host does not have an inner monologue and what? has whatever yeah I, and how can you not for have real that? I know and she went through a whole process of like telling people like this is crazy right like nobody nobody has this right and everybody's like what <laughs> and <laughs> so she we talk about on the show we talk about you know because it's an interesting philosophical topic uh as well like talking about how people you know different people reason and different people process things and you know the implications on consciousness and all that stuff, and it was just so much fun. You know, it's it's like two people who have totally different ways uh, that they are processing the world, um, talking about it, and getting to hear from somebody who is, you know, is uh, honestly different than ninety five plus percent of all humans, maybe more. Now, we, we, there's a few, you know, we've we've it's a big world, so we've gotten some feedback from other people <laughs> who are like Jamie, but still, it, it's it's. For the vast majority of people, it's going to be very mind-bending to listen to. I just want to throw that out there because it was a lot of fun. Nothing to do with politics. If you're interested in a little break, of course, after finishing this episode, uh, then I would encourage people to check it out. Serious inquiries only. Find it uh, wherever. Find podcasts.
2: <laughs> that sounds awesome. It That's exactly the feeling I had. Um, I, and I was in like my mid-20s when I had – proven to me in a large group of people that i have like a slight red orange color blindness right like oh, yeah, it was like it was like a, something that everyone was like. Well, obviously that's red and that's orange, and the two things were like identical. Like I could not tell the, the difference between. the <laughs> Okay, that's the two every day things. with me and my
0: wife, though. Yeah. I genuinely <laughs> now I'm worried, <laughs> and, and I thought I was being punked,
2: right? Like I was like, yeah, because yeah. we were at a party, and and they were like, uh, you know, should I wear the red one or the orange one? And I was like, really, come on, and 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 ever and it was like only because there were twenty people around that were like. No, those are two different colors. Do you not see that? I'm like, right. I get it. I've been drinking, but I've not been drinking that much. And like, seriously, it was yeah, it was fun. So wow. anyway, uh, there's greedy. a
0: there's a great Parks and Rec uh, <laughs> episode where they have uh, you know six different colors of white that they're doing, and and they try to get the one guy to pick it, and he's like, they're just white. He's like, no, no, no. This is. They go through all eggshell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's. Get okay, to we have our... a show to do. Oh, you know what? We do, but we also have one more uh, exciting thing to talk about, which is we are Andrew and I are kind of you know we're 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 brewing stuff behind the scenes. We're looking for uh, maybe new stuff to offer, and as part of that, we're going to be a little a little uh, teasery, I guess. As part of that, we were thinking it would be great to answer questions that people might have. On a given, uh, well, I guess any episode, but mainly on the Rapid Response Friday, and we're thinking what we're going to do is um, we're going to use these questions. So, patrons, if you hear a Rapid Response Friday, and then you have a question of, for Andrew, a cross examination, if you will,
1: of Whoa. the point he's making
0: or the kind of you know, because Fridays are usually you know they're 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 the the main news of the week. They're important. They're uh, Andrew's take, which is usually. Uh, a different way of looking at it than you're getting from, you know, a lot of the mainstream media. Uh, and it can be, sometimes people have a lot of clarifying questions. And so if you're one of those people, if you hear something in today's episode, uh, that and you just think like, oh, what about this? Or, you know, how, what would Andrew say about this? Post it as a comment on the episode thread in Patreon. So that's the, that's the plug. If you've got a question about, about this episode or any Friday episode, post it as a comment on the Patreon post, and that's where we're going to look for to u- to use this for a thing we're planning. So, sorry for a little bit of vague booking there, but uh, please, I encourage you, if you have any questions like that, to uh, to that's where to post them. All right, at long last, let's get to our main stuff today. Thank you, Dr. Hibbert. I rest my case. You rest your
2: case? What? Oh, no, I thought that was just a figure of speech.
0: Case closed. I'm pretty sure that Nancy Pelosi is currently in a dungeon somewhere for destroying a holy record. <laughs>
2: I, Royal I, Highness's you know, don't, holy don't record, give them speak. any ideas, Thomas. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, this was uh, sort of... Dumb news of the week, and hopefully this will be the shortest opening arguments segment ever. Uh, Charlie Kirk and our good friend Matt Gates uh, both decided to tweet out that uh, that Nancy Pelosi had violated 18 USC section two zero seven one for tearing up her copy of Trump's State of the Union address. Matt Gates. Um, himself the subject of several ethics investigations went so far as to file an ethics complaint about uh. it uh, against Nancy Pelosi I should point out that in and of itself is sanctionable right like this is you, you cannot Bogus well ethics yeah, complaints? Uh, yeah right yeah. Um, you, you you cannot gosh Matt Gates can always use the I'm truly that stupid um, and he might be uh, Charlie Kirk knows that he's peddling nonsense so Let's just be super clear about this because I like being clear. 18 U.S.C. 2071, subsection A, is about destroying government records. Here is the relevant text it says, Whoever willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, or destroys, or attempts to do so, ellipsis, any document or other thing filed or deposited with any clerk or officer of any court in the United States or in any public office, or with any judicial or public officer of the United States, shall be fined under this title, or imprisoned not more than three years, or both. So, let's explain, right, and obviously, getting a copy of the President's State of the Union address is not the document filed with a clerk or officer of the (laughs) Court of the United States. This is so, I mean, again, all you have to do is read the language of the statute. Let me explain this from the perspective of a lawyer. What this means is if I file a lawsuit against somebody it is illegal for you to break into or otherwise access the court's records and tear yeah. up and delete that document that's the crime if i mail you You're a courtesy co- if i mail you a courtesy copy or yeah. if if we Download Larry Clayman's lawsuit online and And print print it out
0: an extra copy (laughs) and destroy it.
2: And then, you know, have a viewer watch party where we take turns urinating on it or something like that. Uh, Which, by the way, (laughs) that
0: I was trying not to reveal our new idea, but you just spoiled
2: Uh, it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah. Larry Klayman. Let's 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 make it burning. Let's keep it tasteful and above above the belt. Uh, But a Larry Klayman lawsuit burning party. uh, New Patreon goal. Um, Yeah. No, obviously that that's the stupidest thing that. I can't even say it's the stupidest thing Charlie Kirk has said. It is definitely not the stupidest no, yeah. thing Matt Gates has said. Um, but it's unbelievably stupid. And it is, again, if you have an Uncle Clarence, an Uncle Frank in your life who is repeating this kind of nonsense, number one, um, this is a good point, right? Like we, we talk about, you know, uh, Olive Branch or shaming. This is a good point to shame. And to just say, like, hey, have you really thought about the news sources that are peddling this that are making you look like a buffoon? Uncle Frank. And then number two, I should point out the the additional, like, this is always the case, as with Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump himself almost certainly has violated this law. Right in
0: a real way, not in, a fake. In way. real
2: ways, right, and in particular by deleting tweets that contain executive pronouncements, uh, by shredding documents, uh, by placing transcripts of phone calls in s- fake yeah. top secret classification uh, servers, I, like. Um, the point of this act is to preserve official government communications for the public record. Um, Nancy Pelosi in no way interfered with that. Donald Trump interferes with that all the time. Um, and and so this is uh, a, a stupid argument and an own goal. And you well, guys knew it's that.
0: It's entirely bad faith. One hundred percent. You know, yes. sometimes we can say, well, these people are misinformed on this or that. This is one million percent cynical bad yeah. faith. Yeah. garbage
2: and by the way i think i i, I love your take on this <laughs> this turned out not to be the shortest segment in the history of opening arguments Shocker. well we can we can um, end it <laughs> but uh uh did you 30 seconds uh or sure. less i thought this was a brilliant move by uh by nancy pelosi what do you think
0: uh yeah i mean it's it's the kind of thing where she can do no right for some people and you know i'm sure she can do no wrong for other people but you know, there's some people who are never, never happy no matter what she does. And that's just annoying. But, like, this is exactly the kind of thing where people talk about, like, how do we start fighting back on, you know, in a way that works against Trump? Because this, the normal stuff just doesn't work. This was something that, honestly, I think worked. It yeah. entirely took the steam out of his BS State of the Union, you know, rally that he had. Um <laughs> And uh, it it pulled the focus. And I, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure that that's what I want us to be doing as a party. But like in this instance, I, you know, I th- I think it worked and it was, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Look, I, he just needs to go. Stop. Let's stop putting Nancy Pelosi's every action under a microscope when it's like the problem is Trump and the Republicans who are allowing him to break whatever laws he wants. You know, like I'm I'm not saying you can't criticize her at all i'm just saying like maybe not a, a micro like an electron microscope of criticism maybe like you know an arm's length criticism you know, kind of a, a a normal amount of criticism not like just this yeah. hyper aggressive every single tiny thing she does because she's facing down an unprecedented disaster that's really difficult to know what to do with in donald so, trump so and you're this, this yeah. work
2: <laughs> so you're saying and this is yet yet another sop to our uh, Bernie Sanders uh, supporting friends out there that like m- maybe it was a bit hypocritical that the uh, media spent a week questioning like whether Bernie Sanders said that a woman couldn't be president uh, long after that the supposed you know tiff th- during the debate was over but nevertheless you know Donald Trump says six sexist things before breakfast mm-hmm. um, yeah so yeah I I, yeah. I I agree. Wow, You're really that trying to step in it this week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, shortest-ish segment yep. done. Let's move on to our main topic. All right, Andrew, I cannot believe this is like when I first read this, I thought that somebody must be mistaken. But Mitt Romney, first ever senator to vote against, uh, or I guess rather vote for conviction for uh president of his own party first ever in the history of our country now there's only been what three official impeachment votes yep so you know not not a ton to choose from but still i i had no idea it was the first ever so uh i you know i think we can give him some credit for that
2: Uh, he he absolutely deserves credit and and let's um it, it, it is the flip side of what we said when we were breaking down the Republican lack of arguments on impeachment. Right. That uh, remember, there were only nine Democrats in the Senate during the Andrew Johnson impeachment, and all of them voted to acquit. Every Democrat voted to acquit Bill Clinton. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the the win. When Republicans try to tell you that this is a partisan witch hunt and unprecedented in history, it is actually as much the exact opposite of that as could possibly be the case. Um, and that is 100 percent thanks to 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 Mitt Romney. And now, you know, we are we have already seen, you know, Sean Hannity and Fox News are out there with the intent to brand Mitt Romney as, you know, why don't you go caucus with the Democrats? Now, you know, your your niece is the chair of the R rnc you were the party's <laughs> presidential nominee in 2012 yeah. uh but yeah. you were never really a republican um I, <laughs> I, it's again uh, if you've got family members who were who were on that train i i, I just I, I pity you I, just, I i i don't have well, well, any don't idea we what all
0: like, we all do right it's not just me no no uh, don't know, we? that's pretty, pretty much just yeah, you, guess, yeah. <laughs> andrew you live in a world of privilege I, I do sensible family
2: members <laughs> well the non ones i don't talk to so um but oh, yes. that
0: counts that's what i'm yeah. talking about
2: <laughs> <laughs> but i don't i haven't talked to them to find out if they're espousing oh, okay. this particular Smart. bit of nonsense i look 100 there is uh mitt romney and we we Praised him on our Twitter outlets. Whatever you think, in whatever other capacity, however else you want to spin this, um, this was an act of personal and political courage. And this is sort of the exact opposite, right? I mean, if we've been criticizing the grandstanding of people like Susan Collins, going to get to her in a second, uh, and, you know, who always seem to talk a big game of opposing the president and then vote in lockstep with him every single time this was the exact opposite right this was somebody who gave no advance indication that he was considering uh voting to uh, uh remove trump from office and, and again on article one on abuse of power not on obstruction of justice um we don't have time to explain the differences maybe we'll do that in a, uh, in, a in a follow-up or or on a patreon special um but uh the exact opposite right like not Floating about going, hey, look at me, um, went. And as a uh, as as an elected representative who uh, is doing their duty to the country, um, you know, did so on this vote. And everybody uh, who cares about uh, institutions and the rule of law should offer. Mitt Romney some some praise on that and uh, and and he deserves it and and, yeah, and does,
0: doesn't mean he's our new like yeah, messiah or anything right. doesn't mean he's a liberal none of that I've seen a lot of that kind of people I guess worried about that overreaction and you know it is true that so many of these Republican never Trumpers have been yeah you know, they've sold a lot of books and stuff that you know maybe they they don't deserve to have sold in in the way from liberals who are really happy that they're going against Trump. But like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to worship him or anything, but he deserves credit. He absolutely deserves credit for this. This is a hard thing to do. No other senator's ever done this in our history. <laughs> there you, there you go. Especially now, like, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, that's that's right. So if there's an anti-Mitt Romney, uh, I would nominate, as, as we suggested, Susan Collins, who delivered, I think, the most flabbergasted moment in, in this entire process in which he said, well, I, I think Donald Trump has certainly learned this lesson by being impeached. <laughs> which, uh, again...
0: Kudos
2: Ugh. to Susan Collins for being able to deliver that with a straight face, because you know, as somebody who has to read jokes that Eli writes uh, uh for <laughs> me in, in segments, like sometimes we have to do a dozen takes before yeah, I can get it How many takes did up. she have to do? <laughs> I, it, how many takes do you have to do to be able to say that without like, oh god, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I all just, right, take I just sixty-seven. Get yeah. I'll get it. Uh, okay, I'll get <laughs> well,
0: it. Hold on, hold on, guys.
2: Clown or it we'll do it live. um It it. it The exact opposite is, of course, the case, and that is my effort at a transition to Donald Trump is now emboldened and will be for the rest of his presidency to use the powers of his office to benefit himself personally, to reward himself and to punish his political enemies. And we saw that yesterday. Donald Trump had one of his lackeys, the Acting Secretary for the Department of Homeland Security send a uh, well-publicized two and a half page letter to uh, the state of New York and specifically to the uh, Acting Commissioner and Executive Deputy Commissioner of the New York State Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, which is kind of a weird place, by the way, to announce uh, policy. Um, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Uh, that says. Um, and, and here I, I suppose we can uh, we can quote directly from this letter uh, number one um, that New York residents will no longer be eligible to enroll or re-enroll in any trusted traveler programs that's the pre-check TSA pre-check global entry and and other programs that expedite your approval through the airport and, and this is the best one and these are this part is just words. Uh, number two, Vehicle exports. Because the act hinders the Department of Homeland Security from validating documents used to establish vehicle ownership, the exporting of used vehicles titled and registered in New York will be significantly delayed and could also be costlier.
0: Costlier?
2: Yeah, that's just a dumb bureaucrat who's eight spaces above his station saying stupid stuff on behalf of Donald Trump. That part is nonsense. But a lot of people are asking... Is the first part something that the Department of Homeland Security can do? Can they just say New Yorkers are not eligible to participate in global entry? And and the answer to that is. Um, While I'm going to go through all of the history of the laws, the enabling legislation, the corresponding rules and everything, I I, I want to skip ahead to the fun punchline, which is no, of course not. The Trump administration can't do this. People are already, I I am confident, uh, drafting complaints, getting ready to race into court to get an injunction and a declaratory action. I predict, by the way, that when that happens, we've talked about this in the past that trump's lawyers will go into court and will argue oh no well this these were just we were just announcing a statement of intent we this is not actual policy so don't issue an injunction because there's nothing for us to do we've seen them take that tactic in the in the past and i predict they will do the same with respect to this letter because there is absolutely no legal ground that permits the trump administration to do this um i'm going to explain why so uh But I do want I do want people to know the bottom line. It's just so, you know, for those for those who get bored with the show at about twenty nine minutes in. uh,
0: Well, and so it's your, you know, framing of this, that this is retaliatory. One like the state of New York impeached Donald Trump or something. Yeah. I guess just there's a lot of liberals there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Chuck Schumer is from New York. So uh, it, it. I have I will tell you the reason why I think this is specific political payback uh, in about two minutes time. How does that sound?
0: Oh, as in maybe we're taking a quick break. Yeah. Ah, wow. I see. That was brilliant. It's really, really good job. Opening arguments is brought to you by Vistaprint. Folks, the most important time is now. It is important to feel professional, polished, and prepared when it counts right now. For small business owners or people who produce their own podcasts, does not sound like anyone you know, being plugged in and prepared when an opportunity comes is crucial. These moments happen all the time. They're happening right now. And having a business card that shows how professional you are in your pocket, ready to hand out, is the first step to making something happen. Your next big opportunity is coming right now, and we're here to help you own the now with free shipping on any business card in any quantity. Choose whatever style, finish, shape, or paper you like and get free shipping. And because you can pick the colors, fonts, designs, and images, it means you can create something as unique and compelling as your business. So, are you ready to get started on your business card? It's easy. Plug your information and logo into hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company, or upload your own original layout. Pick the paper stock style and quantity that's right for you. You can even upgrade to a unique touch like rounded corners. You order and receive your cards with free economy shipping, and as if you needed any more reasons to choose Vistaprint, you can feel good knowing that Vistaprint uses only carefully selected inks and responsibly sourced paper stocks. Your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed or your money back, they'll make it right. So Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity. Just go to vistaprint.com and enter promo code OA for free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity, limited time offer. Own the now at vistaprint.com, promo code OA. OK, we're back. Andrew, tell us why this is retaliation. Yeah. So
2: this letter is ostensibly about New York Senate Bill 1747B, the green light law, which went into effect in December of 2019. That law um, allows those who lack a lawful immigration status. And by the way, sub subsidebar, sidebar, uh, if you want to know why I'm using those terms, you could go back to episode fifty two in which uh, we quoted from uh, immigration lawyer Lily Axelrod in terms of how to best accurately describe the status of, of various aliens under the actual U.S. immigration law. Anyway, it allows those individuals to apply for a standard driver's license in the state of New York. I will point out two things with respect to that. Number one. Twelve other states and the District of Columbia have similar laws, Um, in many cases, word for word identical to the law passed by the state of New York. And number two, and kind of put a pin in this one, a standard driver's license is not Real ID compliant. Cannot be used at the airport to validate your right to commercial airline travel as of October 1, 2020. So, in other words, all of this as related to we need this is going to is just not supported by the factual record in any way whatsoever. Um, I I also want to say, yes, I mean, we have a liberal audience, but but if you're a moderate, if you're conservative if you're libertarian if you're sort of on the fence of well why do we want illegal aliens to to have drivers licenses and again i'm using their pejorative language there here's the answer to why you should want those lacking lawful immigration status to be able to get a standard new york driver's license number 1 if they do that then those individuals are far more likely to pay for auto insurance while they are driving as opposed to driving without a license and without insurance which increases the costs on all of us so if you care about economic free riders if you got a poster of Ayn Rand in your bedroom this is a really really good reason to to want to have individuals that we know are here we have no intention of rounding up and deporting who are a part of our society to participate in the process and the second aspect that i think should also appeal to you is when individuals are terrified of being at the margins those people act like criminals even when they are witnesses to other more serious crimes, whenever they have any sort of interaction with the police. And that causes a tremendous amount of social externalities and costs. So even if you're just in it for yourself, even if this is, you know, the virtue of selfishness, this is a really, really good bill. This is the kind of thing that should be law in, in all 50 States. And the fact that we create a separate category of documents here is, um, I think very good protection against any valid argument on the other side. It is not, of course, anything related to the arguments being raised in this two-and-a-half-page memorandum. So the question is, what powers does the Department of Homeland Security actually have to administer the global entry program? And as it turns out, like this is a little bit of a complicated story because DHS is an executive branch agency. Right. So it needs congressional authorization and the congressional authorization. This is this is the pace at which our laws move. So he, here's the timeline. 9-11-2001. Then we scrambled to sort of lock the barn door after the horse had gotten out and passed a whole bunch of restrictions on travel. In 2004, the House of Representatives passed a bill that eventually would become 8 U.S.C. 1365 B. And I don't mean subsection B, I mean They needed to insert it in between 1365, 1365A, and 1366, so they called it 1365B, all in the main section heading. And that instructed the Secretary of Homeland Security, quote, shall develop a plan to accelerate full implementation of an automated biometric entry and exit data system. And then describes the kind of data to be collected and says, shall include a requirement for the collection of biometric exit data for all categories of individuals who are required to provide such data, regardless of the port of entry where such categories of individuals entered the United States. That's kind of important. And then pursuant to that, uh, that only took five years for the Department of Homeland Security to come up with a pilot program. And their pilot program was the Global Entry Program. So DHS promulgated a rule, which is in the Federal Register, 74 FR 59932, in 2009 to pilot what became the Global Entry Program. Then a mere three years later, we decided that we were going to roll out that Global Entry Program to every airport in the United States in 2012. That's 77 Federal Register 5690 got all that <laughs> so you know eight years from law to implementation but uh, you know the 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 wheels of administering airports churn slowly so the I guess.
0: reason I had to do go into the DMV and get a different ID with my license now is from 911.
2: Yes, 100%. It's all still okay. from 9-11. And, that, and by the Jeez. way, we are not talking about the Real ID Act, uh, which is oh. a separate piece of legislation, but interacts, oh. right? So, okay. because this is not, there is no power, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question, there is no power under the Real ID Act for DHS to do what they're doing, because these New York licenses do not qualify for Real ID. They say not for federal use on them, so... It absolutely is beyond the power of the federal government and particularly the Department of Homeland Security to regulate, which, again, would be an interesting argument for a f- pro-federalist conservative judiciary to want to take up to say that you could regulate purely interstate in intrastate commerce and, and regulations by the, uh, the state of New York. So as a result of that, the rules were codified in the uh, CFR 8 CFR 235.12 describes exactly how the global entry program is to be authorized is to be administered and it says this is the critical part subsection B1 says the following individuals who hold a valid machine-readable passport a valid machine-readable U.S. lawful permanent resident card or other appropriate travel documents may apply to participate in global entry. Subsection 1. U.S. citizens, U.S. nationals, and U.S. lawful permanent residents absent any of the disqualifying factors described in paragraph B2. And then B2 sets forth those disqualifying factors. So it says, if you're a citizen and you have a passport, you get to apply. Then... What what disqual unless you're disqualified by B2. What what disqualifies you? An individual is eligible to participate if CBP, uh, which is a subdivision of Homeland Security, at its sole discretion, which might lead you to think that, okay, they can do that, determines that the individual, those are the key that's the key phrase, and then here are the basic warrants, potential presents a potential risk for terrorism. Criminality or otherwise is not a low risk traveler. The risk determination will be based in part upon an applicant's ability to demonstrate past compliance with the laws, which include uh, one, providing false information on the application, two, arrest records, three, found in violation of any customs, immigration, or agriculture regulations, four, is being investigated by any federal, state, or local law enforcement agency, five, is inadmissible to the U.S. under applicable immigration laws. Six is known or suspected of having been engaged in or aiding terrorism. Or seven cannot satisfy CBP of their low risk status or meet other program requirements. So I know that's a lot of legalese, but let's put all that together. What that means is under the existing procedures, CBP in administering the global entry program must evaluate u.s citizens on an individual by individual basis they cannot say oh yeah well you're from new york so therefore we're not going to consider the application the 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 policies and procedures in place the rulemaking made by the department of homeland security prevents them from doing that and the authorization under the statute it's why i went through the whole history and read that particular provision of uh, 8 usc section 1365b the the enabling legislation that gave them the right to set the rules in the first place requires the collection of data and applicability to all applicants quote regardless of the port of entry where such categories of individuals entered the united states so it is 100 percent clear that this Authorization that this letter is a ultra virus, it is beyond the power of the Department of Homeland Security to do. To the extent that it is considered new rulemaking, it would not comply with the Administrative Procedure Act. And even if it did comply with all of that, it would violate the Constitution, it would violate the Equal Protection Clause as uh, lacking a rational basis for all of the reasons that we've set forth. So and, and 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 let me and let me layer one more thing on top of that, which is in addition to being patently irrational because the license provided by the state of New York is not usable as of August twenty twenty in order to get on an airplane, in addition to that, the Office of Inspector General did an audit of The DHS and the global entry program that concluded in June of 2019 contained six action items and CBP agreed to comply with those action items and zero of those action items. Right. In terms of documenting massive failures in the global entry system, zero of those action items had to do with illegal aliens getting driver's licenses. I will link the document in the show notes. You can search it for yourself. Control F and look for DMV, motor vehicle, driver, license, or any other related term. You will not find it other than as a description of complying agencies in Appendix C of the document. It absolutely responds to a non existent problem. That is not unique to New York that cannot possibly implicate air travel in a way that is open and discriminatory and blatantly disregards the actual evidence conducted by another Trump agency uh, with respect to how this program is administered. I am 100 percent confident that. Even the worst Trump hacks on uh, on any district court uh, will have no problems in joining this to the extent that this letter does a thing. I don't think Donald Trump will even defend it in court. It will not go anywhere. It absolutely clearly is illegal. Is that uh, clear enough?
0: It's clear as Kushner, but (laughs) will there be any consequences or is it just fine for them to do a retaliatory thing that's totally illegal and then a court will be, hey, do you know this is totally illegal? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, just kidding or something. So,
2: So let me answer that in two ways. Number one, I think a court will enjoin DHS from implementing this letter. And then, you know, we've we've seen sort of how. Trump has interacted with the courts that could set us up for potential conflicts down the line. Uh, But by and large, government bureaucrats do indeed tend to follow what courts of law tell them to do. The other aspect is that this is an area, the administration of the global entry program is an area that is bipartisan and to a large extent, skews Republican, because the kinds of people who travel on airplanes a lot also tend to be major constituents of the Republican Party. And so uh, I would point out H.R. 3675 is pending in this Congress. It is a bipartisan piece of legislation. It was introduced by a New York, funnily enough, a New York Republican congressman named John Katko. And um, and basically what it says is that millions of people have applied for pre-check and global entry and the they have severe problems with how that uh, application process or renewal process is being administered by CBP. And so the the legislation would require the Comptroller General of the United States to conduct a review of the DH the DHS trusted traveler programs. And I'm not I'm not going to go through you know the the three four points that are uh, raised in the review, but basically uh, to require an internal audit in order to fix the problems because. Re- Republican Congressmen are responding to their constituents who say, uh, "Hey, look, like I was denied the my renewal or I was denied the ability to get global entry because of you know this dumb thing and and um and I, I'll attach actually there was a, there was a good one I was doing the research on this uh, It was a new york Times uh article from two thousand twelve like that's how far back this goes uh in you know people talking about like having expunged." juvenile uh, uh, arrests on their record. And, you know, somehow it's triggered the flag. And, you know, and these are people who are in their 40s and 50s going, I had to try and dig up a, uh, you know, a juvenile expungement record from 1984. And, you know, and that was crazy. Right. So um, so this is an area where uh, Trump thinks he is retaliating against the state of New York but um, but I think the the political will the the bipartisan political will here is uh, is is going to stand up to Trump along with the courts. So I feel pretty good about it.
0: I'm still so confused about this retaliation. Could this be a Bloomberg thing? Like I know they're <laughs> uh, he's, he's he's pretty mad about Bloomberg these I, days. You
2: know i i don't think I don't think we need to go very far to sort of. List the grudges that uh, Donald Trump has <laughs> yeah. against the state of New York. Um, I, I will just point out that this is how far we have come uh, in the the era yeah. of Donald Trump. Right? Like, let's go back to the.
0: We all know there's zero rational basis for uh, this. It's <laughs> just which, yeah, but ridiculous grudge, personal grudge is this. Uh,
2: uh, but look, like let's go back to the you know disqualifying Chris Christie bridgegate scandal right the yeah. the idea that the governor of New Jersey would orchestrate a, a traffic jam to punish his political enemies uh, was enough to and and should be by the way like I'm not saying mm-hmm. you know Oa endorses Chris a Christie for, for president yeah absolutely should have been a bigger deal the the idea that that now we just sort of shrug that off with like wow well, you know obviously of course Donald Trump wants to stick it to New York in exchange for you know passing a uh, a, a bill that. Uh, uh, makes life marginally less horrible for those lacking legal immigration status right i mean that and and, and by the way like i think that's you know, we can talk about other uh personal motives which i, I think are certainly there I, I think the larger environment is new york very publicly passed this green light act and Donald Trump is trying to say, hey, if you're not playing ball uh, with my anti-immigration administration, we're going to punish you. Mm. And that's what this seems to be. We, we also have, I cannot, I have to mention it, um, but we can't analyze it because as of literally, as of the, the time of this recording, I've had multiple folks trying to track this down. There is a New York Times report that Attorney General Bill Barr has sent out a directive that uh, across the department of justice that any investigation of any presidential candidate now has to be signed off from his office. Um, Not surprising if true, distressing if true. uh, But so far we just have the New York as of of this recording, we just have the New York times uh, report saying they have the memo. I cannot find that memo. It has not been made public at least as of this recording. So, uh, so we can't analyze that. We can't break it down. But um, but look, this is Jeez, keep
0: an eye on. Yeah, that, though.
2: the Republican Senate, 52 of 53, uh, just handed this president a blank check and said um, a, a moral blank yeah. check and said, no, nope.
0: get a monopoly. Get out of jail free yeah. card. Essentially, yeah.
2: get out of jail free and do not put this card back in the deck. Yeah. And uh, and and it, it, if you thought it was bad now, it's going to get way worse. And, you know, that's that's part of what we're here is, you know, to help uh to help understand and empower. And um I I will say if there are folks who are involved, I I I don't have the uh legal expertise to to file the initial lawsuits. Um but but believe me if there are organizations that file the lawsuit to challenge this dhs letter um i am happy to uh to donate my time to them pro bono i've made that um i've made that offer in the past and you know we'll continue to when we have this administration breaking the law if um if i can help on that in a professional capacity uh don't you know don't hesitate to take me up on that
0: so yeah me too i can i can type or something absolutely
2: yeah. look like there look, there are things you don't have to be a lawyer Let's to help out
0: save so. the file i don't know can make a PDF of it. Right. Basic office
2: stuff. I guess. Hey, you, you could know. probably do a better job than the Iowa Democratic Party. If you so. have
0: four competing legal strategies, I can narrow it down to two. There you go. That, that's excellent. <laughs> With a fifty-four point nine percent chance of narrowing it down to oh. one. <laughs> oh,
2: and one more, one more point on retaliation. Again, can't comment because this is so far just one source. But breaking across my desk, uh, Yahoo News. Uh-oh. The U.S. Treasury Department has complied this time as opposed to withholding all records as privileged with Republican senators request for sensitive and closely held financial records about Hunter Biden. And has turned over, quote, evidence of questionable origin to those Republican senators. So, yeah, be be prepared for the Republican Senate, uh, which lacks this kind of oversight power. But uh, to engage in a whole bunch of nonsense that is tightly coordinated with the White House and Sean Hannity. And um, uh, it's going to be ugly, folks. It is it is going to be ugly. And and, And all we can do is be there with the truth. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean. And
0: fewer people than ever to to try to stop him. You know, like we know from the first, I don't know, year of his presidency that he would have violated far more laws and ethics and norms had there not been people in the room stopping him. Now there, I mean, there are fewer people in the room. (laughs) There's just nobody's in the room because he's uh, indirectly fired everybody, had somebody else fire everybody, or tweeted that they were going to fire that they were fired. So there, I, I, who knows. Um, and I'm, it's funny that we're funny in the worst way that we're all sitting here wondering like, what illegal thing is he going to do to get back at Mitt Romney now? Like what absolutely impeachable thing is he going to do? We'll see. Stay tuned.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, we can, we can move on. We're, we're both saying the same thing. Um, but the fact that Republicans expect and want, and will be cheering that on, should terrify you and 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 i I say this not because we're not mad enough at republicans um but because and this kind of bookends from the from the beginning of the show the temptation to want to do that when democrats are back in power will be strong these norms will be eroded and it's it's going to require right, i'm not suggesting that there aren't areas where we don't play constitutional hardball uh, but i i want to draw a line in the sand and say we, we we do have to be better than this in terms of personal advantage and personal aggrandizement uh of of the office of the president when you know when it is President Pete Buttigieg or President Bernie Sanders or, you know, hopefully President Liz Warren. So.
0: All right. Well, I think it's time to thank our new patrons here at First Timer Friday on Patreon.com slash law. What do you think? I love that. Let's do it. All right. Well, I'll go first and I will add anyone who is a patron or wants to join up at Patreon.com slash law. If you have any clarifying questions for Andrew about anything we talked about today, Pop it in that, uh, on the Patreon feed under the episode where, where the episode goes up, you know, there's the place you comment and you can also, same, same as the patron Q and A, you can heart other people's questions. Um, but please do that. Okay. Jordan McCartney, the ballin' est mother Clownhorn, Jeff Ostler, Ian from wine country. Well, that could be a lot of places, mm. but cool. Kevin and I joined a law firm after finishing my PhD, and it's all always fault. <laughs> well, congrats. Hopefully, I I hope that calls for congratulations. Your turn, Andrew.
2: Yeah, thank you too, Major Major. And I I have to say, if you don't know that Catch Twenty Two literally is my favorite book, um, and and nothing is close. Uh, now you do. So, uh, Major did you major. end up
0: watching the Amazon series? I did, and
2: I really really yeah, I liked it. it. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, it was good. Cool.
2: Thank you to Brian Brazil, to Mickey Waffles. Well, okay, I could go for a Mickey Waffle, right? To Andromeda Coomer and Tyler Fay. Thank you so much. If you want to get a shout out, if you like what we've been doing, head on over patreon.com slash law, sign up. Uh, Give us as little as a buck an episode and you can participate in all the goodies that that Thomas has talked about. It it really, really does help in terms of us being able to continue to get the show to you and put in the amount of time that we do.
0: All right. And now it's time for T3BE. Thomas takes the bar exam.
2: Oh, no associate of this
0: firm
1: has ever failed the bar exam. Talk to the hand. I need your clothes. That's one of my mission parameters. Trust me. I
0: don't know why you cry here we go uh on a roll i think right uh, yeah you are
2: you are not only on a roll which is which is 100 true you uh have gotten five correct in a row Oof. but since switching over to the new questions what do you yeah. what do you think your your rate is i
0: think i've only missed i want to say two uh th- three, three? I, I was hoping three.
2: <laughs> but yeah you're eight you're eight for eleven um, so this is a uh yeah, a really okay. fantastic uh Well this book is better. Yeah.
0: It, it has more the it's, accurate law. It's more the realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other one was <laughs> was
2: put out by the, you it was know,
0: from the 70s, I don't know. It was actually
2: no, really. pu- you know put out by the uh National Conference of Bar Examiners. But uh but uh, it's okay. It's okay. So
0: is this one like the book is called like questions to ask your kid if you're a lawyer <laughs> to get them interested in the law. That...
2: It's the have you seen you know the bar exam for dummies? Um, this is yeah. the Cliff Notes version of that. No, it's uh, like the PSAT yeah. or whatever. <laughs> no, no, this is also uh, it's, I, it's it's real. I don't want to give real, it away, right? uh, but this is a this is a real and valid. Uh, source. This is the, the best source for realistic uh, multi-state bar exam questions, and uh, and you're
0: doing great. And I'm nailing yep. it. Okay, so time now. to get this one wrong. Here we go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Here we go. Tort's question for you. Before the close of evidence in a federal negligence trial, the defendant submitted a proposed jury instruction on contributory yeah. negligence. God, these ones. Before instructing the jury, the judge informed the parties of the instructions that she would give, which did not include the defendant's proposed contributory negligence instruction, but did include the court's own instruction on contributory negligence. Neither party objected either then or after the judge gave the instructions. The jury returned a verdict for the plaintiff and the judge entered judgment on that verdict. The defendant. You might suspect would like to appeal the verdict on the ground that the judge should have instructed the jury using the defendant's proposed instruction Ooh. on contributory negligence. So has the defendant preserved the issue oh for appeal? Gosh.
0: I love this.
2: Yeah. So actually, uh, uh, curveball. Um, this turns out to be yeah. a civ pro question.
0: Not really about. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not instruct, about the standards at all. Mm-hmm.
2: So it's about is it preserved for appeal? A. No, because the defendant failed to object after the judge gave the instructions to the jury. Hmm. B, no, because the defendant failed to object after the judge informed the parties of the instructions that she would give. C, yes, because the defendant submitted a proposed instruction on contributory negligence. Or D, yes, because the judge's failure to give the defendant's contributory negligence instruction amounted to a ruling on the instruction.
0: Okay. So I do remember that you do like part, one of the main reasons, well, okay, let me, um, let me not sound like an idiot. Part of the objection, objection, you know, like for to a lay person, we hear that and we and the shows always do it wrong, you know, that kind of thing. We've had, we've had many lot awful movies where they just say objection and then they don't even say what it is and nobody cares and they just ignore. But like part of that process is not only are you objecting you know to try to get the judge to like uh, hear your you know what you have to say and 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 side with you but even if you don't think the judge is going to side with you you object to preserve it in the record and then you're able to go back and appeal on those bases i do i do remember that so the question is what's going on here because I, I do think it maybe is a little interesting with the judge giving instructions. Um, that kind of makes it like a little bit different because the judge is talking to the jury. I feel like that's kind of a some sometimes treated a little differently from from what I gather um, so that I think that's going to differentiate between a and B because I, I I'm pretty sure this should be a no answer. I don't believe that the defendant has preserved the issue for appeal Th- that question rests on whether or not j- merely submitting your own proposed jury instruction would be enough to pre, um to preserve it for appeal it's that's not impossible but i don't i don't think that's right who knows They're again the, the since it's jury instruction this could be some special rule that i would just have to know but i'm not a lawyer so i don't know it it's entirely possible but I'm going toward a no answer. Let, let's go, let's go through them. Cause I, I do think you have to object somewhere to preserve it for appeal. That's going to be kind of my baseline assumption. That could totally be wrong, but under that assumption, let's see what we have here. A no, because the defendant failed to object after the judge gave the instructions to the jury. So that's certainly in the running B no, because the defendant failed to object after the judge informed the parties of the instructions she would give. Now, I actually like that one better. Um, let me. I'll go. I'll go back to the A and B. So those are the no answers. C yes because the defendant submitted a proposed instruction on contributory negligence. Now, I don't think that's right, but I could see this being a one weird rule where it's like because it's you know. Uh, jury instruction and you don't really want to mess with it. You don't want to like shout objection while the judge is talking to the jury. Like that would be, you know, prejudicial maybe or something. So like maybe there is some special rule that you, if you have submitted a, a proposed instruction, that's enough to preserve it for appeal. That could be true. Um, so I'll say, I'll say that's my best yes answer. C is my best yes answer. D yes, because the judge's failure to give the defendant's contributory negligence instruction Amounted to a ruling on the instruction. That's interesting. I wouldn't think like I. I my first reaction was that that's nonsense. Like that's just a bad answer. But so if a judge has given a ruling on something, does that automatically preserve it for appeal without an objection? It's not like you object. Hmm. I don't know. I'm. I guess. If D is right, then I'm just so far off that I I think I'll go ahead and ignore that for now. That'll just mean I totally don't know. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna rule out D. Of the no answers, I really like B better than A because A was object right after the judge gave the instructions to the jury. I like B better because it's objection after the judge informed the parties of the instruction she would give. I feel like that's when you would want to object. I I could be wrong, but I I just don't think you want to shout objection while the judge is talking to the jury. It just feels like a no-no to me. I don't know why. I could be completely wrong about this, but I feel like you would want to object. The better no answer would be objecting after the judge informed the parties of the instructions. Now, shoot, I'm going to screw myself up because... Those no answers are close enough together that sometimes that means it's a yes answer. Like if the two no no answers, you can't really differentiate that well, then sometimes that means, you know, it actually should be a yes answer because if, ah, so I, ah, hmm. so I'm I'm going with competing theories of law that, uh, you know, I'm inventing in my head because I don't actually know the law. And (laughs) right now I'm trying to decide between them. So Right, I, I was initially leaning toward B, but now I could see a case for A, B, C, or D. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 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 the defendant submitted from pr- proposed. I do, uh, I mm, is merely submitting a proposed instruction enough to preserve the issue for appeal? Could be. That's. I mean, maybe. I don't. Th- I think you have to object, but maybe there's a special rule about that. DS yes, because the judge's failure to give the defendant's contributory negligence instruction amounted to a ruling. So that would be the theory that, like, you, you submitted the proposed instruction, the judge didn't do it, so that's the same as the judge saying, no, this is, I'm not doing this, I'm ruling against it or something. And does that, j- just merely that happening, preserve it for appeal? So I've talked myself out of having any idea what the answer is, so now I have to reset... My initial gut reaction was B, and since I I don't know since I'm eight of eleven on this new book, maybe I should not try to outsmart myself. On the other hand, <laughs> I really turn into Tevya when I'm doing these <laughs> these uh, these things. On the other hand, maybe that means we're due for a curveball. Maybe I've had too many fastballs right down the middle. We're due for a for a slider or something or curve or whatever a changeup teaser for baseball law maybe next week hopefully. all right I'm gonna go back to my first instinct I'm gonna say B no because the defendant failed to object after the judge informed the parties of the instructions she would get That feels like the best time to object so under the theory that you do need to object to preserve it for appeal I'm going with B but if that theory is wrong I could really see a case for for C but uh, so my second chance I guess I'll go B and C that's my that's my uh, New York Times endorsement level. Uh, but I'll go with B final answer.
2: All right. And if you would like to play along with Thomas, you know how to do that. Just share out this episode on social media, include the hashtag T three B E include your answer, your reasons. Therefore we will pick a winner and shower that person with never ending fame and fortune, fame and fortune, not guaranteed.
0: All right. Will the streak keep going or is it going to end? I think, I think it might end. We'll see. All right. Thanks so much for listening folks. Uh, we love you. Like I said, if you are a patron, you want to get a question in, go to that question thread. Uh, or sorry, go to that uh, episode thread on Patreon. Submit a question. We're going to hopefully be using that for something cool. And otherwise, we will see you on Deep Dive Tuesday. You
1: betray the Law! law! This has been Opening Arguments with Andrew and Thomas. If you love the show and want to support future episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash law. If you can't support us financially, it'd be a big help if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast delivery vehicle you use. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. For questions, suggestions, and complaints, email us at openarguments at gmail.com. The show notes and links are on our website at www.openargs.com. Be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OpenArgs. Until next time. This is a production of Opening Arguments Media, LLC. All rights reserved.
2: Opening Arguments is a copyrighted production of Opening Arguments Media LLC, all rights reserved. Opening Arguments is produced with the assistance of our editor, Brian Ziegenhagen, our transcriptionist, Heather Leverage, production assistant, Ashley Smith, and with the generous assistance of our volunteer unofficial researcher, Deborah Smith. Special thanks to Teresa Gomez, who runs our merch and our live shows, and also heads up the OA Wiki project. Follow them at at OA Wiki. And a big thank you to our Facebook group moderators, Emily Waters, Alicia Cook, Eric Brewer, Natalie Newell, Brian, and Teresa. Check out the Opening Arguments community on Facebook. And finally, thanks to Thomas Smith for creating the fabulous OA theme song, which is used with permission.
1: This has been opening arguments with Andrew and Thomas. If you love the show and want to support future episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash law. If you can't support us financially, it'd be a big help if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast delivery vehicle you use. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. For questions, suggestions, and complaints, email us at openarguments at gmail.com. The show notes and links are on our website at www.openargs.com. Be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OpenArgs. Until next time. is a production of Opening Arguments Media, LLC. All rights reserved.
2: Opening Arguments is a copyrighted production of Opening Arguments Media, LLC, all rights reserved. Opening Arguments is produced with the assistance of our editor, Brian Ziegenhagen. Our transcriptionist, Heather Leverage, production assistant, Ashley Smith. And with the generous assistance of our volunteer, unofficial researcher, Deborah Smith. Special thanks to Teresa Gomez, who runs our merch and our live shows, and also heads up the OA Wiki project. Follow them at at OA Wiki. And a big thank you to our Facebook group moderators, Emily Waters, Alicia Cook, Eric Brewer, Natalie Newell, Brian, and Teresa. Check out the Opening Arguments community on Facebook. And finally, thanks to Thomas Smith for creating the fabulous OA theme song which is used with permission.